0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast, created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to
1: allthew.3cr.org.au.
2: Good morning. This is the 3CR Gardening Programme, and I'm Virginia Haywood. We're on a summer break, till the first week of February, and have selected six shows we thought were particularly interesting and worth repeating. I do hope you agree and enjoy them again. However, do ignore any announcements of coming events, as they will have been and gone. I hope it is a summer we all enjoy. Good listening, and I'll see you in February. Cheers. The 3CR
3: Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woi Wurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know
0: whose land you're on. Good morning everybody and welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Emma Heard, your host for today's show. I hope everyone out there has got a lovely cup of tea in their hand and ready to listen to our lovely guests. So this morning in the studio I have with me Karen Sutherland, a garden designer, writer, teacher and speaker and the co-author of her book, Tomato, Know, Sow, Grow and Feast. Hi, Karen. Morning, Emma. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are
1: you? Yeah, not too bad. And it's really warm and making us think of spring. And so, mm. as we were just discussing before, contemplating sowing tomato seeds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a good time to start.
0: Especially if you've got a polytunnel. Or you can just keep them inside, can't you? Uh,
1: you can also make a really cute little self-made um, using a large foam fruit box, one of the higher ones, mm. you can sew directly into those if you space them really well so you don't have to prick out mm. and um, put potting mix underneath your seed-raising mix, put some plastic over the top and, uh, hey, Presto, you've got a homemade oh, greenhouse.
0: Fantastic. Oh, we can talk a bit more about mm. that because that's, yeah, that's a great Cheap idea. And Cheap and <laughs> And I imagine the polystyrene
1: helps keep warmth. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good insulator. Mm. So, Oh, mm. I like
0: this idea. Mm. Well, I've got another wonderful guest to introduce. We've got talented plantswoman, Emmeline Bowman. Good morning. Thanks for coming in, Em. Um, She's a landscape architect and director of STEM landscape architecture and design, uh, amongst many other great things that she does. So,
3: yeah. Good morning, Em. Yeah, it's good to have you in. It's lovely to be in. Yeah. In a little
0: bit of time. What have you been up to?
3: I have been... Very Lucky in being overseas for a little bit. Oh, yeah. fantastic!
0: So. Did you see? I think you sent me some photos of some oh, great yeah. places you'd been to.
3: Yeah, we um, so my partner's from Norway and we went and visited his parents and we did a hike through it's like northern regions of Norway through T- Trolltung. Um, it was a very hard hike, it took yeah. like 12 hours, but yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah.
0: I just from the pictures you I saw on your Instagram as well, it looked really sunny too, and I imagine. Like, you can get really easily sunburnt.
3: Yeah, well, like. in this area you've got sort of, um, I guess, there's bits with snow. And so yeah. you get the reflective sun there too. It's like daylight for yeah. most of the day except for like three to four hours of twilight but um, I tell you what, you feel very happy because it's a lot of vitamin D. Yeah, and some <laughs> very interesting plant life, I imagine. There was fantastic plant life. Mm. Like things you sort of go, oh, this looks like something from home. And then something that was just completely different. Yeah. Um, Did yeah. you
0: have anything you used to like help you ID things as you went along? I used my little plant ID app. Yeah. Um, I also had a little book that I bought mm. Um and I had my partner
3: translate some of the words because it was all in Norwegian.
0: Oh, that's helpful.
3: Yeah. So I tend to like to bring my books because internet never really works out in those places. So you have to yeah. take a photo and then go later. Yeah. So I always bring my little books along. Yeah, very yeah. smart.
0: Yeah. I think that's really worthwhile doing. Yeah. I bought in a book today, actually. Um, it's a great Field Guide to Native Eucalypts of Victoria and Tasmania Mm. um, for Southeastern Australia by Dean Nicol. And it's it's a bit on the larger side to take on a hike, but Mm. it's such a great resource. Like, I haven't taken this on a hike with me yet, but for anyone out there that is really keen to... Get more familiar with their eucalypts because that's why I got this. Because, it's so hard. Yeah, yeah it's so quite hard. tricky. It's and this has great <laughs> images of you know the the seed pods and the leaf, mm. the leaf arrangement, and shows you even the area in which you'll most commonly find it in Victoria. So then you can kind of rule out certain certain ones based on where you are in in the that's state. That's how I have
1: to start because I mean I always remember a tree surgeon friend saying to me years ago that unless you've got – well, if, if you've got the area it comes from mm-hmm. and it's not in the city where you don't know what's been planted, but if it's in a in a bush area so you think, well, okay, a map's going to be reliable. Yeah. But other than that, you know, you need the, the bark and the new leaves and the old leaves and the buds yeah. and the flowers and the seed pods. And, you know, yeah. I just remember thinking, okay, I'm not going to be identifying <laughs> yeah. those anytime soon. That's <laughs> the thing. You
0: need all those things. And so this has been so lovely, so well put together, this book um, – I think the book design was by Anna, Annette Borner. And a lot of seedling paintings by Ian Roberts. And just like the work that's gone into it. I mean, you've written a book, you know what that's like. Huh. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. mean even even the layout is so important. And I just I really like the way this book is laid out. Yeah. It's very easy. And it's got a little measuring tape on the back cover. So oh, you can oh. even you know, if you pick <laughs> up a leaf and you think, Oh, this is a this is maybe a juvenile leaf and then it's got a picture of the juvenile leaf and you can measure it. And you think, oh, yeah, okay, this could be it. That's like, fantastic. It's just very handy. Yeah. And and it was – some might say it was on the more expensive side. It was about $80. But I just think that's good value for something that someone's put so much – like they've gone out into into yeah. the the wild nature mm. and found these specimens and taken fantastic photos of them. It takes
1: a really long time, can I say, to get all those photos and take all those photos. Yeah, Yeah. so I was very happy to find this book because
0: it's just perfect for Victoria, you know. Mm. I'll have to add that to
1: my collection. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. and I think he's he's done other books. He's done Smaller Eucalypts for Planting in Australia, so that's a good one for our line of work. Yeah,
3: I think I have that.
0: Yeah, yeah, possibly.
3: But I don't have this one.
0: Yeah, and then he's got Taller Eucalypts and then he's got Eucalypts of Western Australia and it's the Southwest chopper. Coast. <laughs> yeah, so really, really great resources. Dean Nicole. Yeah, so I thought I'd come in mm. and talk about that. But love a good book recommendation. Have you guys read any good, you know, I mean, you
1: don't really read these
0: resources cover to cover, but have you, I mean... We can talk about tomato. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've, I've been adding to my herb book collection and what else? been? And also I bought the, I think I brought them in last time I was in, some fungi, mm. but that's probably not such a good topic now. Looking oh, at yeah. That. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Gosh, hasn't that really um, it's,
1: reverberated? It's
0: a horrible, horrible It's thing. awful, yeah.
1: Mm. It's really... Maybe we might not talk about that topic then. Yeah. But, I yeah, I was like... really trying to get into learning more about edible fungi. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn more and more. Well, but, it just yeah. made me think that we have to be
0: careful the way we talk about it. Oh, and sure. Advocating that people go out and do these things. Like, uh, yes, be very careful and find a professional.
1: I, I would actually them. say that I never advocate for people to yeah. go out and forage eat, and for herbs or or even plants or anything yeah. edible particularly.
0: I think it's because wise. Because
1: buy them from a nursery, buy them, like Emmeline's brought in here, plants with labels on them. Hmm. Then you know what they are. I mean, occasionally nurseries get things wrong. You know, we've all bought things hmm. from nurseries where we thought, that's not right or that – you know, whatever fruit tree, when it starts to grow, doesn't turn out to be what was on the label. You know, that, that happens occasionally. But nurseries by and large, considering the thousands and millions of plants that go through them, are really reliable and, you know, they yeah. are a good way of knowing what the plant is. So, yeah. And in
0: saying that, there are great reputable mycologists and companies that um, uh, grow the mycelium um, and you can purchase it yourself. So if you yeah, are lots very of interested grow. mm. in growing your own mushrooms, there's plenty of resources for that. And yeah, I had a go at it. I wasn't very successful, but <laughs> it, I, well, it's yet to be proven. So I put, it takes, I think two years for, um, these my- mycelium that I put. I purchased dowels and I tapped them into logs. Mm. Shiitake? Yeah. Yeah, I've done shiitake so too. It's exciting. I'm hoping they happen. <laughs> it takes forever. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I look at these logs and I think, mm, is something going to happen? So, I mean, I'm saying I'm unsuccessful, but may, it might happen. I don't know. How Was long the, has it been? It's been a year and a half. Okay. But were they oak logs? Or they, no, or they were fraxinus logs. Oh, okay. And they said that they would be appropriate. Yeah. So I got... I think I got good advice, but Yeah um, so I'm certainly not blaming the advice I got. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I do admit they they say that you s- seal the top of the dowels with wax. Yeah. And I did that logs, for, like, yeah. the first 20 logs. And then I was like... Oh, no, was you did a lot. Yeah, I did a lot. Oh, my God, I've never well, done more so, than about five oh, or so. Well, I didn't realise that I purchased that many. so many dowels. Oh. Like, I purchased, like... <laughs> like 500 dows in a bag. What? No. I didn't, I, I just must not have, uh, like, I, I must have ordered, like... Push an extra zero. Just <laughs> making sure. Yeah, yeah, I ordered a lot of dowels inadvertently. Oh, and so funny. And then I tapped them all into one. well. Wow. And then, yeah, I, I subsequently got sick of doing the wax and I thought, oh, maybe I'll just... The first 20, they've got a better chance and um, we'll leave mm. the others. Because the wax is meant to um, seal them so that other mycelium can't colonise and take over.
1: Mm. I can't remember because of the theory because it's so long ago. I thought it was also to help seal the moisture in the log. It's to stop the log drying out. That was my memory. That's more to the point. Mm. You're
0: right. It's about sealing in moisture.
3: Did you have to spray the log afterwards or anything? Yeah, yeah.
0: you're meant to keep the logs as moist as possible. And so like where I am in Alinda, that's not too hard. Mm -hmm. You've got Um, the perfect
1: spot for it. yeah, Yeah, so
0: I'm fingers crossed. Something
1: happened. <laughs> I used to have to water them as if they were kind of in a fernery in the garden okay. or something. Yeah, like keep them in a damp spot. And also, I had all these hooks and I was hanging them. And yeah, yeah. So.
3: And how was your yeah? The they, they, did
1: okay. they did okay. It was a long time ago now. And then I started to tire of trying to find the logs, like harass tree surgeon friends to mm-hmm. get me certain logs, and yeah. then I was purchasing pre pre. um impregnated logs, <laughs> pre-inoculated, yeah. I think inoculated. that's the word yeah, actually, yeah. pre-inoculated logs and so I did that for a while that's and cool. sold some of them at open gardens and stuff for the fun of it and they looked really spectacular. Yeah, when they it, do. You know, they looked really lovely.
0: I know, yeah. um, I think Yoast does quite a bit of mycelium stuff and there's a there's a lovely bakery near us that often has a huge vase of his flowers because he does floristry and then one time he must have brought in an inoculated log oh. like just oh. and and sat it up in the in the front near the counter and it was just beautiful it was just like these huge bracts of like um sulfur colored mushrooms oh. like yellow sulfur yellow that they, they were
1: gorgeous i don't know and what I, I don't know what those ones are i don't think that's shiitake they're more no, brown i, I don't yeah. think they're shiitake it's not ringing yet. a bell <laughs> you can tell
0: we're not mushroom experts yeah so don't, <laughs> like, don't mm, forage no, and that, that yeah.
1: was one nerve-wracking thing like sometimes you'd get another fungi mm. on the log and you'd think yeah well, is that shiitake or is that something else
0: yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah and <laughs> so
1: that that were the moments when i wasn't sure about that <laughs> but What's they
3: that... always say if you're 99 sure
1: don't do it yeah
3: yeah i didn't that eat 1% them yeah. yeah caution yeah.
0: is key caution
3: is key yeah mm. but saying with like mushroom lady considering all the people here obviously there's silent problem you know there's been episodes that are probably not put out in the media but really there hasn't been that much problems with people picking mushrooms
0: really mm. like this is a huge case oh yeah no one else yeah, is poisoned yeah. like yeah. this hasn't been a big... well apparently it happens oh, quite age, often that people yeah. get sick but age, it doesn't yeah. hit yeah. the media as mu- like yeah. obviously if someone it's passes so dramatic, away yeah. then yeah. it's
1: yeah obviously important to i've known people, people to get know. sick too not from things i've picked <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at someone they're yeah. at someone else's house <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. but yeah they got sick Yeah. But that, Mm. yeah, anyway, it's not a very nice conversation, really. I'm
3: sure it's been going around in a lot of places, the mushroom conversation.
1: Mm. Yeah. But yeah, buying, I think growing, again, again, like we're talking about with the labels and the kits, Mm. and there's oyster mushroom Mm. growing kits. And actually, a friend um, um, up in New South Wales that I go and visit, um, she was just getting, I think it was like leftover or, you know, non perfect sawdust that was um that had oyster mushroom in it and she was just throwing it into her garden Mm. in a damp spot and watering it in a shady spot and you know every now and then we were picking oyster mushrooms from that so you know it's you you can you can um work with the the recognizable ones and yeah use the spores like you're saying yeah yeah not all the
0: fun is lost but just (laughs) find (laughs) find reputable sources and yeah be a hundred percent sure of what Mm. you're doing Mm. yeah well, I might get on to some community announcements. Um, Open Gardens Victoria has some great events coming up um, for the end of August and the start of September. So they're doing a bird friendly gardening course online, and you can join Dr. Annie Namo, I might have pronounced that wrong, sorry, Annie, um, of BirdLife Australia to learn about the fundamental features of habitat gardening and attracting more birds to our gardens. That's 7.30 till 8.30pm on the 31st of August, so coming up soon, and is $30 a ticket. They're also running a cooking up compost, um, I guess it's a, it's a little short course, um, and that's in person in East Geelong. Um, and their popular compost workshop is back, so it's been run before, and it's led by their compost queen, Helena Buxton. So, you know,
1: she's, she sounds reputable, she's a queen. She's right. been going on – she's been teaching that for a long time.
0: Yeah. <coughs> right. so she's you, a good composter. <laughs> you're familiar. You can vouch for Helena. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. She yeah. needs no vouching for. No. She's, she's, I believe, a landscape architect as well. Okay. Mm. Amazing. And she has a, a most magnificent garden.
0: Oh, wow. She sounds like she's perfect for this course. So um, where gardeners can learn how to improve their soil in this course, um, two sessions are running – 9.30 till 12, and then 1 till 3.30. And that's happening on the 2nd of September and is $45. And then on, you'll also get morning tea. So that's nice. Um, and then we've got um, guest Jack Semler is having a Flower and Fundamentals Masterclass, which is taking place online. Um, so join Jack Semler of Super Bloom, That's her, her recent publication. Um, and she's a recognised hort horticulturalist, and flower maximalist for a series of practical... I love that, well, flower maximalist. <laughs> um, so join her for a series of practical masterclasses to take you through the planning, preparation, propagation, and tending for a summer garden filled with flowers. So really great starter course mm. for anyone that's new to it or old. I mean, it's a good to have a refresher um, and, you know, very... Very practical because I imagine you can actually do these things in your own garden in real time and see the results. So um, there are four online sessions, Thursday, the 7th of September, all the way through till the 8th of February, which I imagine is when you get to talk about like, what, you've, what you've grown
1: um i saw those courses actually that looked really beautifully laid out it had yeah. really nice descriptions mm-hmm.
0: yeah so you're gonna
1: join <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> no. Okay. but yeah
0: you can you can always see the effort that's gone into putting these events together like it's just lovely um so that's 170 dollars uh for all four classes or 50 dollars if you want to just do an individual class mm. And you can find the full details for all these events at opengardensvictoria.org.au forward slash coming open gardens. Or you can just type it into Google and I'm sure it will come up. So um, there's one other event. Here we are the 38th Western Region Garden Clubs Conference. And that is 10 a.m. on Saturday, the 26th of August. Um, its focus is dry climate gardening, and that's being presented at the Melton Botanic Gardens. Um, the main speaker is Jane Edmondson, and then Simon Rickard and Professor Tim Entwistle will be there. So they're all presenting, I'm sure, on great topics related to dry climate gardening, and all really knowledgeable people. Mm. Um and, and a great s- location.
1: Yeah, it's a great location.
0: And then on Sunday the 27th, so it's it seems like it's two days um, of events, you can take a guided tour of the Botanic Gardens and see the dry climate plants that have been spoken about. So it's $45 per person, including GST, and registration is at 9am on Saturday the 26th of August. So you can find more information at dot. Fmbg.org.au. So that sounds like a really good one. Any other events that you guys want no, to do? No, I was
1: looking through my calendar thinking, yeah, you know, just classes. It can classes, be a bit of a... events, yeah.
0: Oh, classes.
1: <laughs> oh, one of them next, well, two tomato classes. Oh, actually, I could advertise one. One's for mm. Stephanie Alexander, so that's a closed one anyway. Yep. But there's one at Doncaster. Um, I could put that one in. Wait, yeah, wait, please. Wait, wait, wait just a moment. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's fine. Uh, oh, the 6th of September. At six PM till eight PM. Oh sorry, beg your pardon, six thirty. I was put in half an hour earlier. Oh, I was thinking, hang on a minute. Six thirty PM till eight PM at the um Doncaster um, what would you call it? Precinct. It's in the it's in the um the auditorium halls upstairs, upstairs usually. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got the library to the left as you drive through into the car park off Doncaster Road and then the the hall or the the big building where all the classes are is um, to the right, and so I'll be presenting a tomato masterclass. So fantastic!
0: Mm. And that's yeah, like we said, great time of year to be getting getting into the tomatoes. Mm. Well, at least mm. sowing your seeds. Mm. Don't buy seedlings yet people don't mm, no. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that's almost my last yeah. resort yeah. like oh yeah. no mm-hmm. it happened I have to buy seedlings yeah <clears throat> but I tell you what all my tomatoes last year because I had a hectic year hectic that that period of time were uh, leftovers from um and my um lovely admin assistant Aww. and they were all left over from her um community garden that she works at you know volunteers at Um, Avondale Heights, and they were just the leftover seedlings. I said, "I'll just buy whatever you have," and I bought a whole lot of seedlings, put them in, and they were all absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And because it was at the end, it was kind of you know one of this and two of that, and yeah, I had bag. Yeah, (laughs) I had. They had berries, crazy cherry. I had Black Russian, which I hadn't grown for years, Black Russian, and they were so good. Yeah. So it had heaps of things. Good. Jean Flamme. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what's kind of great about gardening communities though as well, mm. is sharing stuff. And then, you know, you have little surprises they like that. They <laughs> saved me. Yeah. You. That's so good. So I still got
1: tomatoes, yeah. There Phew.
3: was a few people that didn't get a good yield of tomatoes last year though, wasn't I heard that everywhere. I it was, was one of those. It was yeah. cold and wet. Yeah. So I
1: have to admit that these were grown up um North of the dividing range, so that mm-hmm. do, that does help a lot. It's a <laughs> yep. lot longer season, but yeah, no, it was it wasn't very good. But I have to say, when um, when this book first came out, in the tomato book that um, Emma was talking about earlier, two thousand and eighteen, Penny and I did you know the big rounds for a year or so of um, doing gardening talks, sometimes together, sometimes apart, and people would inevitably. Tell, you know, if it was a bad year, people would say, Oh, I didn't have any luck. And then there were inevitably these people that had the best tomato year ever. So, (laughs) in the same season, and I guess Melbourne has a lot of diverse microclimates, but it was very odd. And I suppose also, I mean, there's more than 200 um cultivars in this book two hundred and twenty three hopefully Penny's <laughs> listening and doesn't think two hundred and twenty five or something <laughs> sorry Penny a lot of cultivars <laughs> a lot of cultivars and that's you know they're easily available in Australia so there's more there's around five hundred or so and the point is that they're all going to behave so differently mm. in different years so that you know that's that's the first tip I would give is grow a, grow a variety of different mm. um, types really that will hedge your bets more yeah, yeah
0: such good advice. Mm. Um, I will open up the phone lines now. So you're listening to the 3CR gardening show. My name's Emma Heard, and with me in the studio we've got Emmeline Bowman and Karen Sutherland. And it's time for you to get involved. So give us a call. Um our number here is nine four one nine zero one double five, or you can text us in on zero four double eight. 809 855 and if you have something you want us to talk about on next week's show you can email us at 3cr.gardening at gmail.com and um, that's the best way if you've got photos of things to send your photos through because that can help us with plant ID and that sort of thing but we can't get photos via text so uh, whichever way you want to chat with us please do so what else is happening in the gardening world, you've brought some plants in, i
3: I've brought some plants in, um, some things that I really like to use, or one one that yeah. Have you seen this, this one? Is this some
0: em? sort of aster? I
1: or? was just wondering what no. that is. Yeah.
3: So this has had a recent name change. So it was Balia formosa*, but now it's *Gardenia*. And. I guess it's got very succulent looking leaves.
0: It's so different for a Godinia. It's
3: so different. And there's actually so many gardenia varieties. But the thing that makes this amazing is that its common name is called dancing butterfly. Now, this is because these long stamens come off the actual middle part of this um, foliage and you get a cluster of all these little yellow flowers. So they mm. And they separate from the bush for about 15 centimetres and mm. profuse. Wow. Like profuse. Gardenias are really good too because you can sort of have them in quite different environments. Um,
1: yeah, the leaves are very thick. They're very
3: thick. Um, and it's they're quite tolerant, you know. So some gardenias really love a lot of moisture. And this one still likes moisture, but it can also handle
0: that sort of drier soil as well so it's very beautiful the leaves are quite broad and serrated at the edges and it's shiny
3: they're shiny yeah they're and they get quite large so like the the bush itself and like the foliage is quite textural and nice in the garden as well so Mm. that's why it's really nice for foliage um we've got them probably about 80 centimeters wide Mm. by 80 centimeters but when the flower comes on Mm. Then you've got that additional maybe like twenty twenty centimeters. So and it just they just fly out and that's why I guess they call them dancing butterflies. They look like little butterflies.
0: And spring summer flower. Yeah. So all
3: through spring, all for quite long. Yeah. Wow. That's there's an, beautiful. There's heaps of gardenia. There's one that we use at the moment, gardenia alba, and it's blue foliage with white flowers. Mm. Like mm, It's how fantastic. Nice. Yeah. And that one runs through central South Australia down a belt, but. Yeah, I need to get that one in yeah. for you guys to look at because it's fantastic as so, well. So
1: where does this one come from, can I ask?
3: I think Western Australia. Oh,
1: yeah. it's Western Australia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure when, when you said that you yeah. came from Gippsland. I thought, oh, maybe no, it's, it's – and it likes moisture. Gippsland. I thought, oh, okay.
0: So I imagine quite free-draining <coughs> soil is good. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Um, hmm. We've
0: been planting
1: it in a few projects.
0: We planted um, it
3: up in Bark recently yeah. and it's doing really well there. Then oh, we've got mm-hmm. them down in um, – uh, clifton hill I'm doing fun there like as mm. a bit of a wow factor like we like to really we use native and indigenous plants but sometimes just have a little bit of like a wow factor it's really nice to bring in these plants and to sort of show the diversity of our species and mm. it's fun learning yeah. like you get addicted to just trying to find all these yeah
0: something new yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: what's <it> species <clears throat> good to experiment. Gardenia formosa, I think. Now, Cadenia when I. formosa. It was Valia formosa, I'm pretty sure. But when mm-hmm. you Google it, you can't find anything. Okay. So it one of those. It's V I L I A, I think, Valia. Oh, okay. But okay. it's just been changed to Gardenia. Mm.
0: Mm. All right.
3: Um, but uh, yeah,
1: mm.
3: wonderful. When I saw it, uh, I saw it with the Gardenia change and I was like, oh my God, I've never seen it anywhere.
1: And Besides, the flowers, those, those typical Gardenia flowers? Yes. Hmm. The clusters and they fly mm, out, mm. like little
3: butterflies. Perfect name, actually, Dancing Butterfly. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I don't have any. It's
0: beautiful. It's very unique. Thanks for bringing that in. Yeah. Mm. Love it. And then... I've never seen anything like it.
3: <laughs> oh, I wish the flower was related. In the natives, when, yeah. If I'm in when it's flowering, I'll yeah, please, make please sure so. I bring it in because mm. you'll
0: be, like, gobsmacked. Yeah. We'll um, take a photo and put it on the Instagram. <coughs> yeah. At least of the leaf because the leaf is very distinctive. I think, you know, mm. like, you'd be able to... Um, source it or just see what yeah. it is from the leaf alone
3: yeah but i saw this i got this at Ceres, mm. just in melbourne they've got a great little section yeah
0: they do such yeah. a great job of finding you know quite unique things yeah. Ceres is a great resource yeah definitely a good our nursery. office
3: is just there so if we have any infa- um inspiration yeah walk over the bridge five minutes later you're in a nursery yeah and you're just like
0: okay one of my old colleagues, Thea, she works there, and she's she's very knowledgeable and great, and she does garden maintenance as well. So mm. I can I can vouch for her; she's wonderful. Good, yeah.
1: yeah. All the staff there are like. I was going to say all the staff. Yeah, there are all great. the staff. Yeah, yeah. they have the had a tradition of having excellent staff. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> very helpful,
0: always willing to have a chat, and mm. yeah, it doesn't matter what level you are; you can ask questions. Absolutely,
3: but no, we love it. Mm. And another one which I wanted to bring up was. I like Orthrosanthus.
0: Yes. This gorgeous.
3: Orthrosanthus luxa, so Luxus, sorry. I don't I haven't used this one as much. It's got compared to like oh, and there's this big thing at the moment where we find it really difficult when we because um, like native plants are sort of still in its infancy in terms of like having different names or there might be like this one species that's named for five different separate species, which it really should be, but um, is one where, um, I've been getting this ortho with drooping foliage and I will, you know, say I want orth- ortho multiflorus or whatever it comes in and then it's got spiky foliage and I'm like, no, wrong one, wrong one, but wrong is it? then mm. I start to go crazy because mm. I'm yeah. like, okay, is it polystachys or <laughs> is it multiflorus? And then I start going, oh my
1: God. But sorry, know. but is it, uh, so they've given you the wrong species or is it just a different provenance?
3: They're naming it all the same, but,
1: but is that because it's from a different area? This is what yeah. I was different asking. Yeah, because that's a common thing that I used to find when I was landscaping mm. for a long time. That's yeah. what
3: I thought, and then I asked someone. They said, "No, this multiflorus is Polystachys," and I was
1: like, I "Oh, you it. mean it's a different? It's a na- different name. It's a different name, yeah, but okay.
3: because it's because it's probably not widely used or known, what they're doing is they're still labeling, just subbing laboring. the scene. Oh, senior. so just a
1: mistake. A by mistake. the nursery, but yeah, yeah. Okay. All,
3: a lot of different nurseries do it." So it's all With coming under. With that particular
1: under, plant, you mean? Yes, multiflorous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
3: it's um, poly- polystachys. But anyway, so this one is <coughs> luxus. But um, orthoxanthus is lovely. It's
0: mm. I I think it's quite underused. It's
1: beautiful. So yep. delicate. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and just the, the pop of blue yes. is really nice. Um, they're, they're sort of almost like an iris flower.
3: Yeah, it like. is. And it's a morning iris. So all the flowers mm. will pop up in the morning. Um, Luxo is a little bit more dainty than um, Multiflorus and Polystachus. The flowers are a bit smaller. I feel like it makes it look like a little bit more like a meadow plant, mm. if you'd like to call it that. Um, the foliage is more upright. It's a very beautiful plant that you can interweave other
1: species through. So, it's very handsome. Yeah. 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 Mm. So
0: it's. And it yeah. gets. It's about 800 high? About. Oh, I think that's more
3: for. Um, Polystachys and multiflorus.
0: Okay, this is smaller. I
3: think yeah, Luxo is small. Again, I haven't used Luxus that much. Mm. I've got it because I'm just like, ooh. And, and would,
0: you, mm. would you plant that around like the periphery of a wetland? Would that be like a, ma- a marginal po- polystach? <laughs> if so.
3: I have You have to be kind of careful as well because you don't want to be planting something that's not there. But mm. if it is like in a contained spot, um, polystachys is probably better suited because it likes sure. wet. Um, Luxus, again, it says here that it does like moist soil. So this one would do quite well in a moist area. Mm. Um, so definitely would try You could it. try it. but Yeah. But if you do have, you know, those moist areas of the garden, things like that mixed in with lithium, mm. Fantastic like color display
0: too. I love it. Totally. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Mm. We'll and take another photo. Fo- we'll take a photo of that and put it on.
1: It it Thank also people. looks like, you know, like foliage plants when they when you're having to maintain them over time and a lot of them get a lot of brown foliage. This mm-hmm. one doesn't actually look like it's it just gets gives you the feeling that it's not going to get a lot of brown foliage. It has to be continually taken off for it to look Decent, yeah. So it looks like it will just sit there and look nice. It's a
3: multi that I've had in my garden for about three years. It just seems to weep. I've never had any brown foliage. Mm, That's
1: that's a big factor because when people buy plants and then they, or if you want, you know, if you wanted to encourage people to Mm -hmm. try something different in the garden, and then you know, yeah, they get a lot of brown foliage or look ratty. Then yeah, they just don't get well received by. That's such a great point. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: it's so nice to find something that is genuinely lower maintenance yeah. like especially mm. in a grassy type mm. sedge or plant like that yeah. yeah i'm
3: surprised it's not used more i mean mm. i went to when i went to mona in tasmania they had it in the plantings through there looks fantastic mm. and i was like so so much nicer to use that than some of the other monocultures that are yeah. always used so anyway nice there's one a little share but yeah
0: thank you no, that's pleasure.
3: so good oh i got my last one which is a fringe lily Ooh, usually yes. they're very hard to look after, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to give it a go and I'm going to put it in a in a pot. Um, yeah.
0: And how's it going? Well,
3: I've only had it for a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, so far, so good. I mean, it's looking healthy. <laughs> it got flat, like I had small ones and now we're getting bigger ones, but yeah. um, flower heads, so
0: we'll so see. So what's the botanical name for the fringe lily?
3: I always find this hard, but it's uh, Thyssinotus multiflorus. Yeah, beautiful. So we've got another
0: multiflorus. Um, yeah.
3: But um, – Beautiful Gorgeous. pink flowers with little delicate fluffy edges. Um, you find them up in Shepparton area. I've oh, I haven't them in,
1: seen them up there. But they, they might well be, but maybe yeah, not in the farming areas. It's like, I saw Whereabouts them in Shepparton? In,
3: in um, the forested areas. Um, you see it through the um, grasslands up there. Okay, um, I'll
1: have to look out for it. Yeah. I saw
3: some, I got really excited when I saw one when I was down near Waterloo. That's kind of close to the Grampians Um, when you see this in the wild, you're just like, wow. Mm. for cultivation, I didn't think it was, um, yeah, they obviously figured a good, strong species to use because to get them as tubes up from indigenous nurseries, the, the viability was not high at Mm. all. Like I don't Mm. think I've ever had any success. This
0: looks extremely healthy, this specimen
3: that you've brought in. And it's different. Yeah. Like it's a lot more stronger in the foliage. It's, it's. It's not what I've
1: usually seen in the wild, mm. so they might have found some really good stock yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yes. and, I mean, that's <coughs> that's what I thought you were meaning when I was saying provenance mm. to, to you. When you were saying, I didn't realize you were just saying that there, there was mislabeling with the plant you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And what I was meaning was that there's such variability yes. when we you know because the plants are coming from. Australia, mm. You know, compared to, you know, a source of plant that's come from another country and so only a certain amount's coming through quarantine and everything is that clone or might be related mm. if it's seed seed grown. And there's so much more vari- – you know, that's such a big thing yeah. with, you know, like, you know, I don't know, just something like the mandrelongifolia and you get such variability, mm. spiky and short – or long and exotic and, yeah. and weeping and tropical looking. And so that's what I thought you meant, yeah, sorry. No. And so, yeah, so maybe this does notice or, yeah, you say. This one
3: is Luxus, but the other one, Polystachys and Multiflorus. Yeah. The same thing we have with multifi- um, Brachyscore multifida. There's this one species that I love and it's got more green mm, foliage. With and it, the broader leaf? No, it's a thin, it's quite a dainty oh. leaf, but the difference is it spreads rather oh. than, and, and I love it, but it's labelled as Cracky scone, multi mm. and then they'll do like I don't know. They'll call it like um, metallic blue or um, <laughs> oh, it, just a cult, just something a, thing, a selection, a selection of, or a, or of, a
1: collection. A yeah. cult about all selection, and then, we don't know. Yeah,
3: but then the same mm. tag. It's just been wrongly labelled, and so every mm. time I call up a nursery to ask for this one, then I'll get it and I'm like, no, it's not it. Yeah. Well, well I guess I then the you got to get
1: it from that. <laughs> Grow, you know, yeah, you'd get to the, you get to know which grower has the one that's, that you want and then get it from yeah. that grower and say, you know, you know that one that you've got, yeah. So, yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's um, a good source of um, yeah. fringe lily. That's lovely. Yeah. But yeah. that's
0: the, that's the reason you go to someone like him because she's doing the legwork to find the right um, one. It
3: takes <laughs> years because yeah, you will make does. the mistake for does, years. Yeah, and yeah. then, like, literally yeah. the other day we have the plant and we gave it to the nurseryman yeah. and he's going to cut it up
1: Oh no! Nice. I yeah, yeah, like, yeah, love Here it, it yeah. is, <laughs> and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And
0: that's building a good relationship
3: too, yes. because
0: you're you know you're helping each other out. Yeah. You know, it's great. Mm, yeah, good. To definitely, mm. Mm. it's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for bringing those three in. Yeah.
1: They're all they're all
0: little gems. They're great. Yeah. They're so
1: healthy. Yeah, mm. they're ridiculous.
0: Definitely. So I've got a couple of text messages. Um, hi from Eleanor in Warragul. Thank you for the show. Uh, three related queries. One, to raise tomato seeds in foam, what is done to address watering and drainage needs?
1: Oh, well, um, that was a very short... Sure, am I am waiting till the end of the three or should oh, I, I can, just jump in?
0: Maybe I'll just <coughs> power through the three and then okay. we we'll, Because we'll they might
1: on. relate to each other. Yeah, two, two, yeah.
0: true. Um, Number two, is there any risk of chemicals from polystyrene leaching into the tomato seedlings? And three, if we were were to line the foam box with
1: something, what material would be used? Well, firstly, if you want to raise your seedlings in the ground, you can. It's Mm. just that it's much harder to get heat. And so the point about raising them in plastic pots or plastic punnets in a foam fruit box is just to be able to give more warmth so mm. you can get them going more quickly. So it is, it's a personal decision. Mm. I haven't heard of polystyrene. I, I'm not a biochemist or a chemist, so I can't tell you whether that uh, – there's never been any concerns that I've ever heard of mm. and people have been growing seedlings in polystyrene and plants in polystyrene boxes for a long time So and in plastic. I mean, the plants that we're mm-hmm. looking at this morning are in plastic pots. So – plastic pots I should say are um, treated for a UV stability they're treated to be UV stable so therefore they don't break down very easily Mm. mind you then people go and use a whole lot of recycled containers that do break down quickly so there's probably more likely to be damage from that but polystyrene when I've been using it, lasts for years when you're growing with it. So the fact that it's stable would indicate to me that not very much is leaching. Or you know, mm. I, I mean, I, like I said, I can't guarantee it because I'm not a chemist. I think um,
0: the yeah. only concern I would have is if bits of it are broken, like if it's if yeah. edges are exposed, because <clears> <throat> then you That's start to it's get those little, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so yeah. like probably just be fine find an intact. Well, box. yeah,
1: what I was suggest so the the longer version of what I briefly mentioned before was you go to your local fruit and bed shop, you get a brand new polystyrene box, but you get a taller one mm-hmm. because the shorter ones are good for growing things like strawberries or what have you, lettuces, but the taller ones, you can put your seed growing mix and your potting mix underneath. So you put, say, um, you know, four inches or 100 mil or so of, of potting mix in the bottom, first of all some holes. Let's go back to the very beginning. Put some, Make sure there's <laughs> holes in it because the taller ones tend not to have holes. So punch some holes through mm. with a screwdriver or something. It's really easy to do. Then put a few sheets of paper, whatever you want to put, whether it's some... three s- newspaper, three or four sheets. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, some uh, of the
0: boxes also come with like pre-made mm. slots in them. So but like the, the can... taller
1: ones don't tend oh. to. The taller ones sure. generally... Don't, so that's why I'm suggesting Good. that, you know, just make sure that the ones you're using have – I think because they usually come with a lid and so they're totally different. They're for packing different things. It's also much harder to put <clears> drainage <throat> in once you've potted up. So Yeah, you, <laughs> need, yeah, you put the drainage in first, yeah. Then because the holes that you've put in will shed potting – or the slots will drain will shed potting mix really quickly, you need to um, – until the potting mix stabilises. That's why you need a few sheets of paper. That just rots down um, and then – So then you put your potting mix over the top and that keeps it stable until the paper breaks down and it just works to stop the potting mix coming out through the holes. Mm -hmm. Then you cover the potting mix with just a thin sheen, you know, say one centimetre of seed raising mix, one or two centimetres, and you sow your seeds into that. And the point I was making that people might not have got because I said it quickly was if you space your seeds carefully apart, then you don't have to prick them out. They can grow on in that box for quite a while, and that's the point of having the potting mix underneath the seed-raising mix, which um, I learnt from a friend years ago. It's a really good hint. Thank you, Libby. (laughs) And and then you have, because it's a tall box, you then have a good 100, 150 mil above the seeds to uh, for them to grow into, and that's the space they're growing into. So it forms a sort of all-in-one greenhouse. You can also put biodegradable pots in there raised in you can raise them in if you're super concerned about the polystyrene you just use it as a greenhouse and you can roll up paper recycle paper and make your own biodegradable pots Mm. that cost you nothing (coughs) except maybe the cost of a staple um, and um, grow them in that so then they're not connected to the polystyrene box should you be concerned about that Mm. Mm. great tips that's really good. And the plastic over the top or glass. but I just find plastic a bit safer because it's just so easy to break a piece of glass outdoors.
0: Yeah. I suppose if you wanted to line the, the polystyrene box with something, you'd maybe use coconut fibre.
1: Or geotextile fabric would yeah. be the easiest.
3: Yeah. I yeah. used to work at um, an aquarium before and there were so many foam boxes that would come through from the fish. mm, mm. So if you are looking for foam boxes. I didn't
1: know that as a source. Mm.
3: You should go to an aquarium because I would just be so upset seeing it. Like they get smashed up and yeah. it, um, into bins and I just used to <coughs> kill me. And I used to take them home and I used to plant a lot of things into them.
1: They're great. They're yeah, fantastic. Really good. Yeah.
3: And I used to like <coughs> build little garden beds and I used to put timber around them so it looked like they were garden beds and I'd slot them in. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great
0: resource. Yeah,
3: but for anyone looking for them, go to the local pet shop. Ask at an aquarium because yeah. those boxes are just not even thought of.
0: That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I would say, if you if you have a glut of um, polystyrene that's not boxes, like say you've purchased something and there's polystyrene packing material, that kind of thing. Um, I know I know it's a bit annoying to do, but your local waste station. Often recycles polystyrene. Yeah. So please look it up and don't just pop it in your rubbish bin. Yes. Because it going to landfill is a real waste, and it is actually a resource that can be recycled. Um, and so many
1: of many of the that's one of the things when you go to get it from your I don't know whether it, it doesn't sound like the aquarium that this you worked was, at had this it. Was but twelve years ago. Okay. So, well, so, and even are, though there more, would have been things in practice yeah. then, but well, then yeah. even then I was doing things with polystyrene boxes that long ago mm-hmm. and there were places recycling it and that was my point that you would go to a fruit and veg shop and they'd say oh they all just went to the recyclers and you just you had to learn which day they'd send them off yeah. so that you could get your boxes when yeah. you're using them for things so and I'm sure lots yeah. of
0: listeners know this but yeah it's it's worth just saving it up if you've got room and wait until you're driving past the waste station and mm. just drop it off and it's often a free service and I know it's a
1: little bit extra work but I, I there, was, do it there was a big one at Footscray at the time, but yeah. I haven't been over there for a long time to check. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's
0: not <clears throat> all local waste stations. Sometimes you have to go out of your suburb, but it's worth, I think it's worth doing. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they, they're, they're, a, they're a great resource. You can, oh, they're and great. they're really good for renters, anyone who has to move around yeah. or anyone who doesn't have the money to do a garden bed or.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. Cheap gardening, guys. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We've got a couple more text messages, but first we've got a phone call, so we'll
2: take that. This is the 3CR Gardening Show, and I'm Virginia Hayward. You are listening to a summer repeat of one of our better shows. Keep enjoying. Hello, Pat. Thanks for holding. (coughs) Yeah, hello.
0: Hello. How can we help?
2: Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, Good. Look, uh, number one, perlite. Yes. Now, is that polystyrene bubbles that you get out of bean bags, which the council will not accept?
0: No, I I think perlite is actually a mined mineral. I, oh. I believe. Perlite. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not
3: again. byproduct of. This um, It forgotten. is from mining. Um, yeah. Oh, it's also... I guess, yeah, it's a natural occurring mineral. Yeah. Oh, so you can't use bubbles out of uh, bean bags? No, definitely not.
0: I wouldn't. not. Yeah, that I wondered,
1: would be a way to
0: Yeah, because uh, if the only reason I wouldn't is because it will get mixed up with the soil and then it's hard to get them out.
3: It's horrible because we actually were working on a... Um, wetland once and there was soil brought in and I don't know how it happened but the soil was contaminated with those horrible foam balls really yes how weird and it was very strange yeah it was very bad and it went in and the problem with these little foam balls is that wildlife eat Mm. them and so Ah. what was happening was there was turtles there were birds and there was a we had to do a mass cleanup Mm. it was so bad because if we didn't actually put it in. It just sort of flew
0: out and it was so bad. This yeah. stuff is terrible. Well, they're see. buoyant, so they're they'll buoyant. float. Yep. And then they'll also, when they're on the land, you know, they, they catch in the wind very easily. Yep. So so really um, try not to use <coughs> beanbag.
1: Yeah. So okay, how would it get into your soil? And I'd say that the,
3: the person had got the soil sort of from um, yeah. this guy and I think what he must have done is he's creating his own soil and churned it up or something, and there must yeah. have been rubbish
0: through the soil. Yeah. And it got, it
3: That's was bizarre. all these
2: tiny little balls. Wow. It was so bad.
0: It's a great question though. Thanks for asking, Pat. Um, Hang
2: on, there's another one. Oh, I
0: won't, I won't let you go, but just, just quickly as well, Karen kindly looked it up for us. So, um, I
1: remember. <laughs> yeah,
0: so this says perlite is an amorphous volcanic glass that has a relatively high water content. Um, it's an industrial mineral and it's, um, it's used uh, for, yeah, maybe I won't get into that. That's a... It's very technical stuff. But, yeah, it it looks like um, it's used for a lot of commercial purposes and products, but it is used in Hort quite a bit. And as far as I can tell, I don't think it's – it's not a bad thing to use, but I do have queries or more interest in, like, how it's sourced. So Mm -hmm. it's not something I use – uh, frequently I would use it sparingly and if use you're going to mask. yeah yep. yes that's very good advice mm. definitely use a mask if you're working with perlite and just potting mix in general yeah
3: well it just looks the same no it's not it's no. not if you if you got perlite and you crushed it in your mm. fingers yeah. it'll turn yeah. into a powdery residue
2: mm. yeah whereas I've got from... another thing pardon I've got another thing sure um Thank you for that. I I did wonder for a long time. Oh, that's Um, all right. When I was uh, uh, 40 years younger over at Newham uh, near Hanging Rock, I was riding my pony and I turned a corner and I saw a giant log, a a eucalyptus tree log, a giant of a thing, fallen across the ground. 40 years ago, this is. Mm -hmm. carved, carved. In green hood
3: orchids. Oh. I have never forgotten it. Never. Oh, wow. And the, they were growing on the log itself or around? Yes. Oh. All over it.
2: Wow. It. Was
3: there a moss on it? Like was there moss or is it, it was newly fallen?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know how long it had been there, uh, but it was such a sight. Mm. Mm, how beautiful.
0: That's quite unusual it too. special. Yeah, very special.
2: Well, thank you for telling yeah, us
0: about it.
2: Over 40
3: years
2: ago. Yeah. I've oh, got it's the, long
3: gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know. It could be like remnants. Maybe all the orchids are growing on the ground now where the eucalypt
2: was. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: But that's a really beautiful sight to imagine.
0: Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Very Thank evocative. You. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's very special. It is. Yeah. yeah goodbye thank you Bye. thanks goodbye. for calling Bye. Pat. Bye, Pat. have a nice weekend
1: what a beautiful image I'm I know. i've seen I orchids couldn't... growing like that
0: oh i just love that so yeah. special oh gardeners call in with your special <laughs> yeah, special,
1: special you moments
0: that was really lovely That's fascinating.
3: Yeah. I love to see that.
0: I love it too, the image of her riding through a forest on on her pony. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's just so sweet. I know. Like a princess (laughs) coming upon green hooded orchids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: like my nan used to say. She used to ride her little pony to school every day. I was like... Imagine, like, going to school and then you all hitch your horses up there. Yeah. You know, just it's the adorable. whole... It's beautiful. Like all the kids going to primary school with all their little ponies. I love, love it. it. <laughs> I love it, yeah. And hopefully...
1: The ponies come, all hanging out together during the day. <laughs> and now it's
3: like you go to primary schools and it's a mad rush of all the parents like, yeah. get out of the
0: way! Yeah, true. I need to go to work! Very stressful. It's very oh, different. Take us isn't? back to pony days. <laughs> yeah. And green-hooded orchids. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. oh, what a lovely, lovely reminiscence. Well, we've got a couple more text messages. Hi, team. My father always grew portulaca in his garden in the nineteen eighties, but they seem to be hard to find now. Are they best grown from seed or seedling? Any other hints? Thank you. Yeah, portulaca probably about ten years ago were pretty easy to come by in seedlings.
1: The fla- you're talking—I think they're talking about the flowering ones. Aren't yeah. They? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The little—they're kind the ones of. You eat. <clears throat> yeah. The yeah, the ones, yeah, you see them occasionally in little seedling yeah, punnets, but not as not that frequently. often. No, they've fallen out of favour, and no people have gone more not for as dahlias and um, yeah, and they are more
0: usually usually available as the weather heats up. So you won't find True. them now. Well, in saying that, there are tomatoes seedlings hitting the shelves, but portulaca, I think it's a little bit early for them. So I'd say maybe October. That sounds
1: very wise advice. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Look out for them. Um, maybe you could ask the nursery to order some in for you. Yeah. Or you also might find some seeds online, yes. online too. Yeah, I mean, they, whatever you can't find in nurseries, online seeds, you totally. can find so many things now. There are They are
0: easy to propagate from seed. Um, mm. They They propagate quite readily. And you can get all sorts of colour mixes too. So yeah, I would recommend asking your local nursery or um, yeah, having a hunt online. Mm.
4: Um,
0: yeah, who's who's the lovely lady that we have as a guest who has a seed? Oh, um, I'm not
1: sure who has a seed nursery. Uh, one of our I guests. should know that, but I don't.
0: Yeah, sorry guys, one of our lovely guests has a seed nursery, and I should know off the top of my head. Someone oh, else who's listening will text in. Please, Merrill, Merrill, Mel Johnson. Which is, Seedscape, thanks, oh, Susie. Yes. Yeah. check out Seedscape. Need to check this out. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, listeners. A uh, little bit of a mind blank. Meryl has Seedscape. She might have Portulaca, so check out her website. Um, but yeah, that's my
1: recommendation. We're all looking up Seedscape seeds yeah, now. But... Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, <coughs> oh, we've got we've got some feedback, guys. Girls, slow down and please spell the names of the plants you're talking about. sorry. (laughs) At first, I thought you were talking about gardenias and the talk did not make sense.
1: Oh, sorry. Then
0: I thought maybe it's goodinia. Oh, okay, sure. Don't forget you're talking to non-horticulturalists who are wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Uh, We'll try and slow down. Thanks for the feedback. Appreciate that. Um, We will also post pictures of the The lovely plants that have been brought in, and we tend to spell them in the um, in the descriptions too. So, if you're ever, um, as this listener is saying, you know, missing what we're saying or not understanding, please do have a look on the Instagram page because a lot of the plant names do get spelled out there. And I, I understand not everyone uses Instagram, so just ignore me if I'm talking to non-Instagram users. We've got another text message. Hi, team, loving the show. Bring back riding ponies to school.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, they also say perlite is mined and heated vulcanic, volcanic glass and unfortunately not sustainable. Mm. Cheers, Burn. Yes, thank you. I think I it's. I was trying to remember, to that I think point.
1: vermiculite is the one that's usually. Or call your peat, but vermiculite okay. is better if you need to use something like that for drainage for propagation.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes for water, sense. water. drainage and water holding capacity. Good tip. That's very helpful. Um, we also have Evan querying about a blueberry in a pot. I'm not sure what the query is. Um, Maybe it's can you grow a blueberry in yeah, a pot? Yeah, I'd say that's it. Um, yes. yes. And a
1: water um, uh, self-watering pot would be ideal yeah. and just make sure it's, you know, you quite pot a large over time. one. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Quite exactly. a large pot. I've
3: got a very healthy blueberry in a terracotta, large terracotta pot. Yeah, mm. I just make sure the little dish under has a little bit of water. Yeah, because they don't like to dry out. Of yeah, course. yeah, yeah. But mm. it's profuse with flowers at the moment. So yeah, last year I had a pretty good amount of fruit nice. off it too. So mm. yeah. in
0: the past, when I've grown one in a pot, I used um, camellia and azalea potting mix because I was told that they prefer a bit more of an acidic soil. Now, I don't actually know if that helped or not, but I did have a good yield. They do they do the need same. acidic
1: soil, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. You can also just get some pine needles from an old Christmas tree or oh. from, you know, if you've got you've got pine trees probably growing yeah. near you and you can mulch with pine needles to help the acidity. Mm.
0: Would you um, <coughs> uh, put them through a mulcher or just put them no, straight on? No, you can just put them on yeah. just as a mulch, Great. yeah. Hmm, such and, a good
1: and another thing, um, more of a nursery thing is that even though they're not meant to need cross-pollination, blueberries seem to fruit better when there's more than one plant near each other. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a grower's observation passed to another nursery friend when Mm -hmm. I was querying it saying, "Mm, don't understand why they're not fruiting properly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that they they will be better if you grow a couple together. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good tip. Even, I imagine, if you're short on space but you can have one big pot –
1: Maybe just put two plants in the exactly, one pot. Yeah, they just, just... those will pollinate better. A yeah. lot of fruiting things like to have friends like that. Yeah.
0: Mm. Oh, great. Mm. Well, you're listening to the Three CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma Hurd, and with me in the studio are Emmeline Bowman and Karen Sutherland. I'll say our phone numbers again: nine four one nine zero one double five, and you can text in on zero four double eight eight zero nine eight double five. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we've got plenty more to talk about. We've got an anonymous announcement. <laughs> uh, Moralbark Community Garden have a working bee today from 9am till 4pm, um, and you can see their Facebook page to register, or you can call 0425 118 402, and um, I suppose query with them where and when to meet. So, yeah, give them a text. I'm sure that person will appreciate me <laughs> um, pointing you all to text them. But, um, yeah, mm. that, could be, that could be fun, actually. Mm. I haven't been to the Moorlbark Community Garden, but it sounds lovely.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking where is it?
0: Yeah. Community gardens are always lovely places. Mm. Yeah. And you'll meet someone there. You know, you always – I just think you, you find great people at community gardens.
1: Definitely, they're a, they're a really lovely resource. Mm. Friendship and plants.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, what a combo. We've also got um, Eleanor from Warragul. She said, oh, no, we, sorry, I apologise. We've already done that one. Well, so let's talk about your garden science, Karen. So oh, yes, so
1: <clears throat> that's that's what I've been kind of doing yeah. instead of um, like after this. I kind of laid another book and then thought, oh, gee, that was a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> so I started doing these because these are, you can do this in a short time frame, get your, pho- you know, take your photo. So this was, that's up on the family land. So, and there's a nice chocolate lily, speaking of lilies. So, but
0: this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, just, mm. like, that sign is so well laid out and just tells you everything you need to know. For listeners at home, it's got a great picture that's a decent size to really help you. You know, I mean, if you don't have the plant right in front of you, but I imagine you can put this sign right next to the plant.
1: Yeah, that's what it's for. It's for schools and all community gardens. Community gardens sometimes use them as well. So botanical name, common name. Of course, you have to keep on updating because the botanists (laughs) will change the names. Um, Just brief notes on cultivation and brief notes on uses and then also symbols. So we've got about 10 different symbols, or we have 10 different symbols, and so the symbols... um, help um, children or um, English as people with English as a second language yes and so yeah that gives you some indication of what the plants use for you know weaving or indigenous use or you know, little chef's hat for culinary or i mean yeah it just it gives a start to help people identify the plants and <coughs> yeah so, yeah it's to it's really, it's to help people connect with plants, which is, you know, what we all really want to do in our work. So it's just another way of doing that. I did, I did it through landscaping years ago and now, mm-hmm. you know, one can't do that forever because one gets older. Yeah. So <laughs> but it's, it's... you do things differently to try and engage people with plants and help them interact with them. So, mm. yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. It's a wonderful interpretive tool. Mm. And this would be great even to have in school landscapes, yeah. you know, they're, they're, They were
1: originally designed for schools and, um, mm. well, schools. Schools being early learning centres all the way through to high school, mm. Mm. but the um, the biggest emphasis I put on the signs at the beginning was for um, bush food plants or, or native food plants, yeah. and plant, and there's some habitat plant signs as well, and there's some kitchen garden signs. So yeah, mm. they're for they're for schools primarily, mm. but Melton Botanic Gardens has quite a few, yeah. um, and we sponsor them and. Um, Who else has a lot? Yeah, there's various larger, you know, community organisations or groups that have... Got, you know, got quite a whole, bought a lot of signs as well. So, you might have to
0: connect with Evan (laughs) Gulkey because he's he works on a lot of school like designing. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. And that could be a really lovely collaboration to sort of, yeah, yeah, Yeah. he may like them Mm. and then, you know, shape some Mm. of his um, plant schedules around Mm. incorporating
1: Mm. plants with these features, you know. And then years ago, I couldn't, when I was landscaping still full time. I couldn't find science and you were talking about budget before, Emmeline. And that was what that was the thing that used to get cut from my budgets. And so I'd be was doing, you know of plant, unusual plants in gardens and mm. people would say, oh no, the schools would say, oh no, we've definitely got highly qualified people doing maintenance, but I would go back for a visit again at a food forest or a, or a bushweed yeah. garden and the plants would be sprayed out as weeds mm. or they would be pulled out, you know, things that I'd taken, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're talking about taking months to find really special yeah. plants that you're really excited about and really want to see in the landscape and see people appreciate them and use them and they were killed. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and there was never any money for signs, and one of signs, as we all know if you 've had anything to do with it, are really really expensive yeah. Yeah. so i undertook to make these signs, and because i 'm reselling them it's it's way, way, way cheaper mm. so yeah. yeah and people that 's why I started them
0: yeah, people <coughs> take the signs too, yeah they do yeah. well there's
1: um, these are the the corflu ones are for areas that are um, protected or ga- mm. or you know gated, locked up at night yeah. gated, yeah. <clears throat> and safe areas. And then there's a range of metal signs as well. Mm-hmm. So the metal signs can be concreted in place. And they've had some fairly heavy-duty vandal testing. That's good. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yes. Inadvertently, but, yeah. <laughs> Free testing facilities, it seems.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Is this on your nature strip? Or? Oh,
1: no, no. This was oh, in a sorry. school. <laughs> oh, really? Just with really bad vandalism problems. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and they even... had
1: videos of them being jumped on and things oh. like that. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they survived. So, yeah. Oh,
0: good nice and robust. Though. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. robust, yeah. But, I mean, kids will do pretty zany things yeah, that's as well true. in, in yeah, that's playground true. settings and things. Yes, yeah. But, yeah. that's true. All in all, though, a very good product. So I highly recommend people check yeah. them out. So they're on your website?
1: Yes, they're yeah. on the web shop, yeah. And uh, can I can I do a little... um. Mm. No, there's the a tiny yes. little brochure Tell us there. About oh yes, yes, so this is um
0: 2023 local business hero. Yeah,
1: so oh. um the local post office up in country Victoria that I've been like during COVID I was based up there for mm-hmm. family reasons and and we've got a family farm up there, northeast of Shepparton, at a very small area called Cosgrove. I think the population's about 55. Mm-hmm. And the local post office that I would go to every Monday to post my plants and the signs and, and other little gardening products and tomato books from time to time um, put me forward as um, um to, to get an award from from the post office and so it's like recognizing local small business or micro in this case businesses yeah and so we filled out all the forms and but it's and interesting Australia that you... post checked everything and, yeah
0: well yeah i mean mm. very very warranted but it's so interesting that you say micro businesses because there are so many sole operators out there yeah and they they're genuine businesses you know like yeah 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 it's great to see and
1: recognition we, we don't that. have the resources for that mm. other big businesses do and so yeah this was it's really nice because they do recognize people coming through the local post offices that yeah. that need to use australia post to send their products mm. so Very um fantastic. yeah it was it was really lovely so congrats yeah, 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 yeah thank you lovely yeah, to thank see
0: you. lovely to see a little bit of recognition yeah good. yeah and yeah. Ha- have you found like uh you've as a result there's more like community sees you
1: out and about? And well, like, this has oh, only yeah. been in the last couple of weeks and okay. so I've done my first ever, whether you agree with it or not because I've had my moments about not necessarily agreeing with mail-outs but I decided that I would do a mail-out to the area that this that the, there's posters up in oh, the yeah. in the post offices and things and I thought, well, you know, it's it's reasonable. And so I've given them a special offer because of the mm. Australia Post thing. I said, well, you know, till the end of September... Um, schools and preschools in that area and high schools, um, giving them a a 5% discount until the end of September. So I know I'd I'd struggle with... um Marketing. You know, well, sending out things to people uninvited. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I decided that I would. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's fair
0: enough. You've got to do what aligns to your values. But also, like when you're running a business, it can be challenging to figure out, oh, what what are my values around this? I know.
1: Well, this this is direct marketing to people who possibly might be interested yeah. and because I am local to them that might you know some of them I was able to write little notes in the school so oh, I attended this primary school yeah. um, my niece and nephews attended this you know I was able to write little notes or I knew the principal so oh, hello or I knew the admin person so you know it is um, that's the local area that I grew up in yeah I uh, you know, grew up in and so oh, it was nice, nice to connect that way and well I guess we'll see Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a very hard push marketer, as you can tell. Oh,
0: that's all right. (laughs) Each to their own. But that sounds really nice and it sounds like you might get some some nice connections from it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, with
1: yeah, it'd be nice to do things with some of the – it was so interesting looking up some of the schools and some of them, you know, had 16 pupils and – yeah, there's some really tiny, tiny schools. So I hope yeah. that some of them do get in contact and I decide so to do too. it. Yeah, mm.
0: Ooh, I, yeah watch that space. I'm interested yeah. in how it goes and, and, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry. I should say it's the, just as one final thing, um, not to take up the whole airwaves with this, but um, okay. the, the – so this little recognition was to do with the um, – a bushfield garden starter pack. So it's to do with a design package. So you know we all are garden designers in different ways, mm-hmm. and so because of landscaping for so many years, I was able to. write You know, just I know how to plant, and so I've written a little planting manual that's tried to make it as simple as possible, so that people can access that information when they don't have the resources to have. Landscapers come through because I know from doing that that it's expensive. So definitely. So yeah, that's what it's trying to. It's a it's a package that includes, or they can choose any part of it: signs, plants, and or um, interaction online or in person. So mm. it's to help people put in gardens. So yeah, oh, help I schools and community groups that don't have access to the resources. So, and yeah. a little bit more modular and approachable. You know, in a certain yeah.
0: sense, like, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. great. It's
1: guiding them through the process, which, you know, has its moments online, but...
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. And and that's the thing. We're all headed more in this hybrid kind of uh, phase where it's like some things are online and yeah. some things are in person. And I think we're getting better at it as a society,
1: but... Yeah, <laughs> it's... Well, it can be really helpful, but it also... Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and I'm sure you two can imagine. You know, you instead of an actual on-site mm. site analysis, you're yes. getting people's photos, and so you realise that they might have missed a couple of photos. Oh, that also gave really important information. It's what they're prioritising. Yeah.
0: And then what you're prioritising would be um, very different.
1: A recent one just that you will laugh about is underneath or you'd be sort of, ooh, whoops, that could could have turned out really badly. So now I'm trying to redress it because I only had a certain amount of information of these lovely mulched garden beds at a school. And then I was thinking, oh, there's kikuya right next to it. Oh, what's underneath those mulch garden beds? Surely it's repaired. No, just oh. a little bit of newspaper oh. over the top of the Kaikuya. So I've had to try – I'm going to have to give a lot more details about Kaikuya. I'm thinking about doing a new YouTube video about Kaikuya remo- removal yeah. because it's just that people that haven't done a lot of gardening don't understand how difficult it is to remove perennial weeds and I think mm. that's the, the crux of what I'm trying to say is that yeah. – they're often underestimated for their virility, let's say. I can't stand Kaku. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, some really it. difficult stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I think that would be a valuable video yes, to make. Yes, <laughs> We'd yes, all yeah. appreciate it. Is there anyone out there who wants to do videos on it? Go for it because, um, yeah, yeah, I need to find a nice – I was thinking I've done a lot of maticking out of it over the years. So yeah. I'm thinking I need to find a neighbour who will let me matick up their oh, for,
0: for a client once, I <laughs> hand did it. You know, what, yeah, that's like, what I mean. Yeah, yeah with yeah. the mannequin also. It's hard work. Oh, yeah. And they said, oh, is this really necessary? I'm like, you wait. <laughs> You'll be happy. It is really necessary. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then I've had people say, oh, no, no, no. We, we'll do it ourselves. It'll be so much cheaper. <laughs> and then after about two hours of trying, they call up say, you know, this yeah. is in the past. Please come back. (laughs) Yeah. We can't do this because, yeah, it's really, really hard work. Oh,
0: it's a hands and knees kind of job and it's, Mm. yeah. I mean, definitely I do recommend hiring a machine and doing it, but some clients don't have
1: the, you know, the capital for that. It's got to be big enough to warrant it as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting question, Kikiya.
0: Definitely. Well, we do have some phone calls now. Um, We've got Drew to talk about chocolate lilies.
5: Hello, Drew. Good morning. Thank Thanks for being patient. Call. Oh, pleasure. That's fine. I'm happy to listen. Um, just your uh, talk of the chocolate lilies earlier reminded me that I got given 12 chocolate lilies as a present, as a box of chocolates. And um, they've been growing beautifully in the back, but they're still in their tuber pots. And I'm, one, I'm in the Eltham area. I'm wondering what and when is a good time to to move them to something a little more uh, permanent.
3: Now, I would.
1: Yeah, well, if there's, it's good to do when they're dormant. But as Emmeline says, you can do you can do it now with care. Depends yeah. if they're sprouting at the moment or not.
5: Oh uh, yeah, they are
3: sprouting. Yeah, because you know, my
1: tube stock yeah. is. So, would, but it depends, you know.
3: I'd probably put it in now though because it's still slightly cold and you can get yeah. them in the ground. But um.
5: Yeah. So I can put them straight into the ground, can I, not just into a bigger uh, pot?
4: Mm.
3: Yes. Yeah, you can definitely put them in the ground. I put mine in the ground. I even put them amongst my vegetable garden. That's what I was going to suggest, actually. (laughs) Yeah, so you can put them anywhere. I find that because of the tubers, they tend to like sort of quite um, friable soil, like, you know, quite um, easy soil to move around quite easily. Um, Yep. But yeah, I would have a little bit of a play. But definitely, if you've got garden beds or if you want to put it in a bigger pot, you can. I find okay,
5: okay but yeah. that choice. Yeah. And what, what's their uh, the future for them? Do they multiply? Do they? What? What? How do they continue? to yeah. Exist and how long are they likely to exist?
3: So they have different ways that they can. Their longevity is in different ways. Sorry. Um, the tubers tend to d- divide and you'll get a thicker clump of, of plants. Um, yep. When the flowers have finished, you get these seed heads and as the seed heads dry, you will actually see, like, these tiny little black balls and, obviously, they're the seeds. You can use them and they drop around the plant and you tend to get, like, more that propagate around the actual plant itself. Um, if you wanted to divide the tubers, you could divide the tubers and move them as well. Um, okay. Yeah. There's... it. They... They tend to disappear though in the winter, obviously. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, where'd they go? And then all of a sudden you'll get them again the next year.
1: So it's good to put them, from what Emily's just saying, yeah, put them, you know, nestled into a between some rocks or put a little, put something to mark them. Yep. There's there's going to be some information in a little plug for Organic Gardener magazine Um, in the upcoming, you know, in a month or two magazine. Oh, I forget when it's coming out now. And there's going to be an online, there's an article. I wrote. Oh, I think. I think this is going to happen. It was talked about, so I think I'm almost sure it's going to happen. That the article on native tubers, including chocolate lilies, and exactly which part to harvest if you want to eat them, is going to be. I'm hoping it's going to go online on the blog. So have a have a look out for that on the Organic Gardener blog and see if it comes up.
5: Thank you very I much. That's really <laughs> <important>. <laughs> I and like I didn't mixing mine.
3: Yeah, you can eat them. I like I mixing mine with food.
5: Can chocolates eat them
3: too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like mixing mine with the bulbine lilies too. Mm. Okay. They have a fr- fairly similar growing way as well. And you can still eat those tubers too, if you've heard of them before. They're delicious, actually. Mm. They're my favourite. Yeah. Because
1: they're so big. Yeah. And the chocolate lilies, you can also eat the flowers, but you can't eat the bulb. Apparently, you can't eat the bulbine lily flowers, mm-hmm. which I discovered in the last year.
0: Something I've taken to doing in the garden, or actually, it's more my husband. I should give him credit. He's uh, sometimes because I like to have a label on things that are going to disappear in the winter or an indicator, mm-hmm. you just get a little piece of bamboo mm-hmm. and write the name of the plant on it or even sometimes a, like a rock or a pebble and just get yeah, your... Yeah, rock, get your rock labels are nice. Yeah, yeah. and if it's mm. got a, a, a reasonable surface, I mean, I just take a texter and write, <laughs> write the name on it. So
3: I love how when we've... Oh, thank you. I love okay. how we'll be talking about flowers. It's been opening. Oh, yeah. Our um, morning iris yeah. is opening up with its morning Did you flowers. get a photo of it? It's so I pretty. took some flowers um, photos before of the flowers, so we'll make sure we put that on the internet. So yeah. delicate.
0: Thank yeah. you for calling in, Drew.
3: Did you have thank any you other questions?
5: Much. No, that's fine. Thank you. Good to chat. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. We've got another caller. We've got John from Melton Botanic Gardens.
4: Oh. <laughs> Hi, John. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good, thank you. How are
4: you? Oh, terrific. Thanks. Did
0: I did I say something wrong about the seminar next week?
4: Oh no, you said it's really great to put out there. Oh good. But I, I just want to clarify how many places we have left.
0: Oh, thank you.
4: You, you must book and pay for your ticket. Uh, we've got eight places left. Uh, that takes that'll take us to a uh, hundred paying participants.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so it's getting quick. We, we're holding it at the um, the Melton Community Hall um, and the Sunday is open to everyone. It's not really part of the conference but we tried to encourage people to come to Melton for the weekend so we gave them the conference on the Saturday and then tours of the garden on the Sunday but it, it is open to everybody to come on the Sunday. Uh, Rotary will be um holding a sausage sizzle. The Lions Club of Beckers Marsh have brought their trains so there'll be longer tours of the garden Well you, you go a longer way, but fifteen minute rides for a two dollar donation on um on the train and then we'll be running some short guided tours of the north end of the garden that covers all the themes across the whole main garden. So that'll be really good. Oh
0: that does sound great. Well yeah. thank you and
4: um can can I just add something sure. to say, um, the Bush Foods Garden and the Edible Eden Design signs are being read by everyone. We've got them <laughs> through there.
2: Uh,
4: and thanks, um, Edible Eden <laughs> Design have um, sponsored the Bush Foods Garden, so we're, we really welcome that. We've got the Victorian Volcanic Plains Garden is sponsored by Newport Lakes Native Nursery, so we get top-up plants and other things for those and they help us out in a number of ways. So that's really good to see those. And we always welcome sponsorship, of course, being a a community-driven botanic garden on 27 hectares.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's very important. And, yeah, hopefully some of our listeners might be interested in in getting involved in supporting, whether it's via sponsorship or um, via coming and, and volunteering.
4: Oh, yes, or oh, just joining the Friends. Yeah. We, um, we had a target 400 membership uh, for this year in our 20th anniversary year. And at the 30th of June, when we um, count up how many members we've got, we had a total of 470.
0: Oh, wow. congrats. So, really
4: but good. all that shows it's a strong group and it's got lots of support. Um, well, we've got international... Uh, members and interstate mm. members so uh, it just shows to council because it is on council land mm. that there is strong support for a botanic garden we we need that to keep getting funding from various areas
2: yeah so, yes I
0: well well done to you and your members. committee colleagues i imagine it's a lot of work and um it's much appreciated by everyone that goes to the gardens they're very yeah. hard
1: working out there i think there's yeah. something
0: in the water in <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's
4: really good uh, it's funny. Could I just uh, mention my experience of chocolate lilies? Sure. They, um, well, we've, we've got chocolate lilies that have been in the same 140 millimetre or 6-inch pot for over 10 years, and they, <laughs> they just mm. keep coming out. I haven't even changed the soil mm. Um, mm. unless it um, drops down. And they, they flower and seed, and the, I think I've given the seeds to people to do that. So um, they're pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> At that point if view, you, you do, and it was good that you pointed out they do disappear um, over the summer, and then they come back as soon as you get rain. But I think we just water ours all year, mm-hmm. and that the pale vanilla lily is also nice, and um, that's I've got some of that that's out the front in a pot, and that's that's been there for years too.
3: Yeah, I find the millennifolium the vanilla lily, is yeah. a, like a larger plant, a lot bigger, and I really like that one. As a yeah. bit more of a statement as well. All right. Yeah.
4: Okay. Mm. Well, good. And keep up the great work. All yeah. right.
1: Thanks for calling in, John. Appreciate Sorry. it. Nice okay. to have you. Yeah. All right, bye. bye. Wow, that's that's so interesting because I've never tried putting, like, keeping chocolate, and I hadn't heard him say that before, chocolate lily in a pot. pot. So It obviously likes being pot bound. That's really interesting because yeah. all this cultural information with a lot of these plants, you know, like the ones you're talking about that mm. you brought in, Emmeline, you know, that we don't know enough about yet because they're not widely grown. Not used, so there's yep. not, you know, reams of cultural mm. information on them. So well, that's I've, super I'm, valuable.
3: I just put, like I said, I put <coughs> the chocolate lilies amongst Sort of my vegetable plants. That's
1: where I think the future yeah. of them is. If you want to grow them for food, because mm. you know yeah. you can get them out more, you can get them out easily. Yeah,
3: so. but I've yeah. neglected my little veggie gardens. Mm. This like I've just been so busy, and so the whole thing's been overrun with I don't know everything now, mm. even mm. viola. Mm. Yeah. But you know what comes through every time mm. is yeah. the chocolate mm. lilies. Mm. So yeah. well,
1: there it is, growing amongst grass and weeds. Yeah, so, <laughs> so in the picture.
3: And we actually did seed collection up. Shepherd and again oh, nice. on a yeah, roadside yeah. vegetation, and yeah. they do have variable um growth habits because it was, it was actually <laughs> chocolate lilies mixed with the kangaroo grass on a roadside, yeah, that's what this is. Yeah, oh, yeah, what a great combo! And mm, and these flowers were nearly probably 80 centimeters, nearly to a meter tall.
1: And it was yeah, just they can stunning. be really tall, oh. yeah. and other times but, really short. You know, like yeah, they vary yeah, a lot. Very so, varied. so again, that selection mm. that is done so much. Um, probably I'm harping on it because I studied nursery. Yeah, but you know we're always learning about that, and mm-hmm. how and that selection is not it hasn't significantly been carried through for a lot of these plants. Mm. They're still just wild plants. They just occur naturally and they vary.
0: And taking the cues from nature and when you do collect the seed yourself, you see how they're companion growing together. Oh, as well, yeah. You know, the Femida triandra working well with the chocolate. Which
3: which I was mind-blown because you think there was like quite a lot of competition and you think, you know, you kind of look at – um, chocolate lilies and think they're quite delicate mm. but man they
1: can hold themselves yeah mm. <laughs> we've got some also growing although they don't flower very well so you you think that they may have been you know they're residual mm. on the family farm but they are underneath really big murray pine trees so because the, they don't grow well really well there because it's too shady mm. but they're still there so they must have been there and then the murray pines have grown and grown and grown, and the chocolate lilies are still hanging oh, in yeah. there but that's amazing yeah i know it's it's interesting I but, think tubers
3: yeah. have more strength in their mm. growth rather than a normal root system. I think you're like, really yeah, right. Yeah, that's what it is. It's mm. like bulbs, you know. And things as, like in tubers, it's all
1: yeah.
0: And as long as the soil conditions and the the companion planting is right. Mm-hmm. You, but yeah, it's interesting dry. that you
1: said kangaroo grass because that's exactly where these chocolate lilies on the farm are in there amongst uh, yeah. um, kangaroo grass. Sorry, yeah, and yeah. it's be- like the these lane. little
3: remnant, um, beautiful pieces of vegetation is where these indigenous nurseries are sourcing their seed. Mm. But you know why? Because on roadsides, it's the least impacted areas mm. because all they would do is slash it you know Mm. so it's funny like if you're driving look on the side of the road obviously watch out for cars yeah but Mm. if you're in a rural area have a look there because you'd be quite surprised
0: the diversity of
3: your Mm. native species
0: yeah Yeah. well locally to me there are signs that the council has up and they say Mm. roadside conservation as well (laughs) and I I love them because I just think like no one's going to really touch this or trash yeah. it or anything. And, and yes, there are lots of weeds amongst it, but yeah. you're totally right. There's little gems, there's little um, special species mm. in yep. there, and it's nice to see that councils or, you know, um, um, like Parks Vic and, and different landholders are starting to uh, recognise
1: that, that what you're saying, yeah. just verges that are pretty untouched. Yep. Uh, and it's because. amazing to think... <clears throat> Like when that guy was asking before, how long do chocolate lilies last for? Well, I mean, yeah, as far as I can see, those things, no one would have planted those chocolate lilies underneath that uh, underneath those Murray pines or amongst mm. the kangaroo grass. They're, they're remnant. They're, yeah. They've been continually growing and reproducing themselves, you know, for hundreds or thousands of years. Yeah. So, mm. you know, it's an amazing resilience. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah.
0: it's so lovely. Um, we do have some more texts, so I should start racing through them. So... Um, Hi, Gardening Crew. Community announcement, please. Yarra Edge Nursery is a student-powered wholesale and retail nursery located at Melbourne Polytechnic in Fairfield, and they're currently having um, a plant sale... Um, especially indoor plants. Now, I should note they're not open today, but they are open on Saturdays between 9 and 4 p.m., Monday to Saturday, I should say. So during the week and on Saturdays. And, yeah, definitely highly recommend you go visit. They've got an extensive range of... Of not only indoor plants, outdoor as well, but they happen mm. to be having a sale on their indoor plants at the moment. It's a nice little spot, don't it? Easy parking, yes. Oh, that's that's important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We've been
3: so. talking a lot about this place because yeah. apparently they're very well priced indoor plants. Oh, fantastic! So we will be there. Yeah,
0: yeah, sounds good. Oh well, you've got some you've got some buyers in the room, yeah. Well, right? It's been.
3: I don't know if you've had your ears burning. We we're talking about you for the last two weeks. Oh,
0: fantastic! <laughs> well. Another one. Hi, gardening crew. Uh, Another community. Oh, sorry. It's the same one. We've just scrolled down. Um, All right. And you are still talking too fast. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, We're all Remember, (laughs) unlock your listeners are older. Oh, they're saying a lot of our listeners are older. It's either to chat among yourselves or a gardening program for listeners. Ah, all right. Apologies, everyone. I will slow down. Um, morning team, just wanted to thank you all for the great show this morning. Love the emphasis on native and indigenous plants in the landscaping context and community gardening discussions. Such great guests and insight. Alex, Oh thank you, Alex. Thank you. appreciate that. Um, I'm sorry. I seem very grumpy this morning. I absolutely love the show. Oh okay. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the previous <laughs> listener telling us to slow down, but, but yeah, we we appreciate the feedback. I will slow down. And
3: I have a issue where I talk fast. I sure. do. I
0: am a fast talker,
3: so I am
1: sorry. We'll I take... also get told to speak more slowly. Yep. And believe it or not, this is more slowly than I used to speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it on board. We appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Um, another note, there are still some garden products for sale left over from our um, telethon. Um, and they are Amgrow citrus and garden fertilizer and plant starter and rose food and they are ten dollars each um they're pickup only so you can call the station and purchase them and then come and pick them up so yeah that's something worth doing we still have quite a few of them in the courtyard and Pretty good price, and they help raise funds
1: for the station, so please do. And it's the time to fertilise your citrus. Yeah, so get yeah. Get them ready for spring.
0: Very salient point there. <laughs> um, Rosie in Mount Eliza wants to know the name of the micro business we were talking about. Quite <laughs> gladly, Edible Eden <laughs> <of this>. Design. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Edible Eden Design is run by the Karen Sutherland here in the <laughs> studio with us, and she does a wonderful job. She's She's been in design and horticulture for a really long time.
1: So, a long time, <laughs> yeah,
0: in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all Thanks, our Emma. text. Oh pleasure, pleasure. I've I've always appreciated your knowledge, and I've gone to your talks before, and and you do great talks. It, you're at series sometimes,
1: and I, I, the last one I did there was on tomatoes. Actually, yeah. but not not for a while there, but yes. um, I it, definitely recommend. Councils get you around the place mm. yeah
0: I definitely recommend your talks because they're wonderful and very accessible and you make you make knowledge you know easy to easy to access
1: which is that's more my specialty. I, I, I try I taught at TAFE for a little while but mm. I'm not good at a very highly structured teaching environment I like the mm. in and out quickly yeah. I've been speaking lately from Brimbank Council about cooling your environment with plants which I'm sure you yeah. would as landscape architects be very across so that's been a nice thing that can, it's actually through the lord mayor's uh, one of the lord mayor's um charitable trust i think or the lord mayor's charitable trust i think it was mm-hmm. but it's just an interesting topic that as even though we're coming out of this very wet we're talking before the show about how wet Areas have been that are usually dry, and then mm-hmm. other, ironically, then some usually usually dry areas have been wet. Hang on, did I say that around the right way? <laughs> anyway, Everyone there's, there's it. been yeah. yeah, there's been some great reversals happening, or not so great in some cases. Mm. But there's there's still awareness of getting ready for summer, and how we that they finally has been declared the El Nino. Hang mm. on a minute, am I getting that right that one Nino, as well? Yeah. yeah, El Nino. Yeah, the little boy. Yeah, yeah. After mm-hmm. Three years of La Niña that we never thought was going to end. Mm-hmm. So yes, we do. We do. Even though it seems really odd, it's time to start thinking about cooling and shading.
0: Yes. To put it nicely, it's going to be an interesting summer. Yes. It will be. Yeah. <laughs> so all us plants people, we're you know a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On yeah edge. To be honest. Mm, yeah. Mm. Sort of. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm keen to talk about this lovely <laughs> piece of fruit that you've brought in. Is it a tamarillo?
1: That is a pepino. Pepino. Which Ooh. means little cucumber in Spanish, and supposedly that's because you can eat the green fruits as you would cucumbers. But having tried that, I don't recommend that. Okay. And I recommend that you eat it yellow and or gold. I think this is a cultivar specifically called pepino gold, I believe. With the purpley stripes on it. And it's it's we were talking before the show about how it doesn't really fit into commercial horticulture. So it is what you classify as a backyard fruit, even though you may grow it in your front garden. It's somewhere where you either have to it's something that you would buy from a specialist food growing nursery like Ceres Bush Food Nursery or Bulleen Out and Garden or um, online perhaps. But it's something that can grow for many, many years and it fruits often all year round, but it does fruit, as you can see, in winter. I mean, there's probably about 10 fruits on my little neglected, I have to say as well, plant at yeah. the moment. So and it's quite tasty. Oh, yeah, so it tastes like... Uh, we're not gonna sell it here, but a slightly watery rock melon. So it doesn't have the intensity mm. of a of a rock melon, but then those are bread and bread and bread mm. and and been cultivated over the years. This one is more of a um, you know, it's it's probably a little bit more of a wild plant.
0: It is just mm. gorgeous to look at as well, it's to lovely. be honest. Like mm. it's, it's
3: it's a stunning looking
0: fruit. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So for we'll take a photo of it, but it is um sort of like a a pale yellow with gorgeous sort of purple zebra stripes at the, the top. The stripes
3: are nice. <laughs> the stripes are beautiful. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Do you think, like, to eat it? You're saying it's
1: quite bland, or oh, it's it's sweet. It's, it's just s- not as sweet as a melon, yeah. That's all. So it it's might, along those lines.
3: So it might be really nice with like a like a breakfast, you know, with yogurt and
1: things. Oh, you does, don't absolutely. Want that in- yeah. intensity. Yeah. I yeah. can
3: imagine like doing that and drizzling honey on it or.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, you can add it to salad. You can add it to fruit salad because it's not super sweet. You can also add it to a salad where you, yeah. you know, a salad, where, a savory salad where you could add a little bit of fruit to. Yeah. So it lends itself to that as well. It's a good fruit just to nice.
3: know because if you are using it as a breakfast, you know that you can have fruit most of the year, like you said. So yeah. you're exactly. still getting it in winter. It's, yeah. You know, these sort of fruits is yeah. considered as a summer fruit.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Mm.
1: And do you peel it? Yeah, yeah. Do you do need to peel it. The peel is bitter and but it's very it's very, very thin peel, so it's not you don't you don't lose as much peel as you do with a rock melon where you mm. scoop out and there's a big thick peel left behind. Mm. So it's a very thin skin that you take off and then cut it up. There's some seeds in the centre or kind of a seedy area. I don't think I've ever seen seeds, more of like the area where you would expect to see seeds, perhaps.
3: Seeds like a cucumber? Uh,
1: no, no, not re- well. It's in the Solanum family.
3: Oh, it's a is it yeah. a Solanum.
1: It actually, actually is a Solanum. So it's another yeah. tomato. <laughs> yeah, it's another it's another well, one yeah. in that family. So yeah, it's definitely your wheelhouse. Oh yeah, no, I, just, I really like South American plants. To <laughs> be yeah. honest. that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. that Thank mean you. there's
3: any toxicity with it too raw or well, with the supposedly leaves? you
1: can eat it green. So okay. yeah, I haven't look. I haven't looked up the toxicity. Okay. So yeah, worthwhile question though. Yeah. Mm. Well, if you can eat it, I mean traditionally it was eaten green. In, as a cucumber replacement, mm. so it, okay. it can't be very high levels of the um, usual, um, I forget what the botanical, what the scientific name of the toxins is, but, mm. um, yeah.
0: Well, we've had a text message. We've got pepinos. Oh. Yay. So, um, there <laughs> are Let's hear about them. Yeah, there are fifty percent off their edibles right now too. Cheers from the Yarra Edge Nursery. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys, and we're happy to hear. So,
1: if... that's unusual because they're not sold very yeah. frequently. Good yeah. on them for doing cool.
0: that. Oh, it's great to hear. Um,
1: you know, in real time where you can. Yeah, this fantastic. Stuff. And yeah. can I just add a couple of little growing hints? Or well, they might tell you all these things when you go there to buy from the Yarra Edge Nursery. But they go quite well – I mean, diggers seems to have them pictured all the time growing as a ground cover and something that grows in semi-shade. But I have had more success with growing them up a little trellis and they seem to fruit better that way, mm-hmm. particularly if you are having some shade in your garden if they get up a little bit higher to the light, then they fruit better. So I, I find better success like that. And the other point is that they do like some food. And so if you neglect them too much, like any fruiting plant, they will do better if you actually feed them. That yeah. might seem like a, a no-brainer. But especially because they do fruit all year round, you can sometimes forget to yeah. – I mean, it, look, I feed mine very feed minimally. But yeah,
0: Probably feed them a bit like you would a citrus – not citrus food, but – the, the number of times that makes sense. citrus, yeah. you know, fruit twice a year. Perhaps at least. I should do
1: that, and I would get more fruits.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So maybe a bit of potash as well that would help it yeah set. for fruiting yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and they do layer the little stems layer really easily oh. and so often you'll find tiny aerial roots above ground too mm. so they they like to grow and be shared like they're a good plant to give to your friends and neighbors mm. so it's mm. a
3: very good looking plant i was just <laughs> looking at all the pictures of how people are growing them and yeah it's very ornamental as well
0: beautiful <laughs> oh well thanks for bringing that in penny um Someone says, show all good. Excellent knowledge. Happy with the presentation. Best wishes, Josie. <laughs> Thanks, Josie. Thanks, Thank you so much. I've brought in a little, a little bulb, mm. um, Lationalia Yellow. Oh, ah, um, beautiful. And it's a, a winter flower. So I thought, nice thing to bring in. I only, I only purchased it recently. But it does flower from April or May through till early spring so it's quite a long flowering one and it's it's gorgeous it's got little bell-shaped flowers on a long stem and the leaves i quite love the leaves they're they're sort of like a long lizard tongue (laughs) it's a very good way to describe (laughs) with like leopard spots i was gonna say
3: leopardy yeah
0: yeah it's it's quite and and actually the stem has um is a green stem with like Dark chocolatey purple leopard spots up at too, mm. so it's very pretty. So I'll spell it for everyone. It's L A C H E N A L I, and this one's a yellow form.
3: I didn't know it was a bulb. I actually thought it was like some sort of succulent because it kind of has a flower like a nevivera. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I shouldn't say it's a true bulb. It's like okay. a um, a, uh, what's it called? A rhizome kind of thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, like a bulbine. Like a bulbine. Lily. Lily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With little tubers. Similar. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just very pretty. It's,
1: it's a nice example of gardening coming round because they were very popular in gardens that were put in the 50s and 60s. Mm. And so, yeah. And they're from... They're, it's nice that they're popular again then.
0: One. Yeah, I would say that's very true. They're kind of like an aloe flower. It is mm. a little Very much like an
1: aloe flower. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, do birds like them for that reason? I think
0: I, I have I seen... Imagine. When I've seen them growing in other places, I have seen birds... Little honey eater type birds. Mm -hmm. Like the eastern spinebill as well. Mm. They get into everything. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They're not fussy really as long as it's a a nice shaped flower for them.
3: Full of personality, those little birds.
0: Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I brought that one in and I just thought, a bit of fun. And what about the Eremophila? Oh, I've been waiting for that. Yeah, (laughs) the flowers. (laughs) Yeah, so I bought oh, in this interesting. Eremophila. It's raised blue. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, so it's Eremophila oppositifolia. So I'll spell it for everyone: E R E M O P H I L A, oppositifolia, which is O-P-P-O-S-I-T-I-F-O-L-I-A. and it's subspecies oppositifolia, and then it's colloquial. Um, like commercial name is Ray's blue and it's got this gorgeous fine foliage um thin long leaf and then these beautiful dainty flowers that sort of hang down like bells um some of them are open and some of them are not yet Uh um but they start off quite purple and they fade to almost like a gray
2: Mm.
1: and Um, the foliage color it's nice worth mentioning. Yeah, true. It's a it's a silver, pretty much.
3: It's so beautiful. It's, it's just very feminine. It like, is.
0: It's just yeah. I saw it and I thought I have to have you. It's yeah.
1: absolutely beautiful. I've never seen it before. Yeah. Oh, mm. I love them I've too. I've never and seen that one before though. No. And they can be quite dense, so that's really airy. Yeah. It's yeah. just imagine it as a cut flower, it'd be really pretty.
0: And some of them don't like clay, but this one apparently does. Mm. Oh, this is good so. to know. <laughs> Yeah, So I haven't planted it yet, hence mm. why it's here with me in a mm. pot, but I do have quite a bit of clay soil where I am. So keen to see if it stands the test of, of our clay soil. But How tall is this one supposed to get, Emma? three meters (laughs) oh okay yeah so it's a larger one you know you can get ones that are only a meter or you can get ground cover aromophilus but this is three meters and then a width of about 2.5 so Mm. really about three as well Mm.
3: some aromophilus can be hard in because i've planted a few at my place up at hoddles Mm. creek and it's funny because sometimes the finer hairs don't do too well with the wetter climate the silvery
1: the f- foliage ones you mean no yeah. like they've no? got a
3: fine hair on the actual yeah. leaf itself like all the oh i hadn't even not, noticed no no not oh. all some oh, okay some and what happens is the residue will sit on the actual leaf and rot the leaf out oh. and it's funny i have Eremophila uh, hygrafana and uh one that's bowman i because my last name's bowman someone got it to me as a gift it's <laughs> got the same thing and they've thrived and i don't know why they usually would die but i had something similar to this one
0: and it died from the same
3: reason so don't know interesting Interesting. and
0: so residue from rain rain or yeah and just
3: consistent dampness so quite sensitive yeah some of them but Mm. like i said the one that i have which is like you can see literally the the fur on the leaf Mm. they should be like you know, holding a lot of water and it's doing okay. There's a bit of rot, but they've been in there for about two years now.
0: Oh, that's good. They're sort of holding on. Yeah, but I
3: wouldn't say it's the healthiest.
0: Yeah, they're not thriving. They're not thriving.
3: They need a dry – I mean, a lot of them come from Western Australia, so you imagine the dry heat. And silvery
1: -hmm. silvery foliage plants usually, besides that one native Plactranthus, the Argentatus, I think that's what it is, Um, usually are equipped. They've kind of equipped themselves for hot, dry weather, haven't they?
0: But an important distinction to make, even though this might like clay soils, it still wants full sun, yes. you know? So, yep. you mm. know, clay soils, not in the shade though. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. um, We've got, uh, someone said, I saw a beautiful aromophila in an open garden at Lara earlier this year. Mm. It had burgundy flowers and was nicely rounded. Oh, that's lovely.
3: I love aromophilas.
0: We've got a question. Does Pepino need rich soil?
1: Regular garden – sorry, vegetable garden or fruit growing. Yes, yeah, it needs good good soil. Yeah. Frequent manure and compost additions.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, good to know. Well, we are heading to the end of the show. Any last things you want to bring up? Any –
3: I guess my thing, like thinking about all these flowers, we've been talking a little bit, but how do people go when you – try and photograph these flowers in terms mm. of like being able to capture their beauty I always find it's really hard to really capture the beauty and especially our Australian flowers um because the flowers are so delicate true yeah do you find the same
0: yeah I do I think especially on a phone I think you know when you've got your SLR out and mm. you've got a good lens like the tool you're using can really help yeah. definitely yeah. um but it's very infrequent that I'm carrying around a good camera. So you are, you know, just using your phone and it can be really challenging to get
1: get the perfect Tiny ones, of course, yeah. It's just hard to get the – because of the focal depth keeps moving when you're trying to take photos Mm. of the tiny flowers. So, yeah. Yeah. I
3: I honestly think that's one of the reasons why native plant species in particular um, don't get as much emphasis sometimes because they don't photograph well, as in like a full – you know, really good foliage of like shrubs and hedges. They get like, as soon as you take a photo, it always looks good. But you can go into this beautiful meadow and you're like, this is so stunning. You take a photo, and the detail is hard to picture yeah. yeah, the
0: detail is hard to capture. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's a really great point. Yeah. And you could be onto something there, yeah. but it's just about commercial, you know, being able to get that perfect shot. Yeah.
3: Mm. Claire Takas, she gets it. Yeah. <laughs> She's a good photographer.
0: Yeah. I know Bonnie, um, Bonnie Marie Hibbs um does beautiful photography mm. um as well uh, quite lovely close-ups of different plants i haven't noticed if she's done a lot of natives but yeah definitely mm. recommend checking out her instagram too yeah
1: sorry that's thought i just added no you. i
0: like that i think mm. that's a great mm.
1: yeah a well great often i mean having worked in retail nurseries as well that's often you know the label is the point at which people if they can't see the flower on the plant Mm. is that the point at which they or if they're not looking for a particular foliage Mm. that's Mm. where they're interacting from and deciding to make a purchase so whether you like that viewpoint or not it's more just the reality of how so many plants are sold sometimes there's knowledge of oh I want to grow that thing to eat it so yeah but you know it's different for flowering plants
0: yeah I think it's a great conversation and good to a good note to end on something to ponder about Mm -hmm. and um, take some beautiful photos of plants soon listeners definitely (laughs) encourage that yeah um so a big thank you to our producers Susie and Di Thanks to Liz for doing our socials. And thanks to Emmeline and Karen, Emmeline Bowman, I should say, and Karen Sutherland for those out there listening for sharing your time and knowledge with us today. Oh, it was a pleasure and thank you everyone for listening. Yeah, thank well, It was please. lovely
1: to be here with you, Emma. Oh,
0: <laughs> thanks, Karen. So my name's Emma Hurd and you've all been so lovely listening to the, the gardening show with us this Sunday morning. Bye for now.
3: Bye.
2: This is the 3CR Gardening Program. I hope today's repeat has fascinated you. We are on holidays till February and playing you some of the best of the last six months. Do listen next week. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of
0: independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.